This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Wrestling Network. Uh, hi. Welcome to 2023 for your uh, home for everything modern day wrestling, Place to Be Nation's main event. I am Scott Criscolo, and uh, we have gotten the year off to a hot start. Uh, we got a big show to talk about that happened this past week. In fact, if you're listening to this on Friday morning, it happened a couple days ago. And looking ahead to some other stuff and some big WWE news. Some that everybody loved, some that most definitely everybody hated. But uh, uh, so, um, and we'll get into uh, some other uh, fun games. AEW news, actually a good, a good first week of 2023 for professional wrestling, in my opinion. Uh, so let me bring in the crew. Uh, let me first bring in, uh, this gentleman is the conscience of place to be nation. And uh, we, uh, we're going to be making a big announcement, him and I, at the end of this broadcast. Happy New Year to the conscience of Place to Be Nation, Mr. Steve Willie. Happy New Year, indeed. It's a great pleasure to be back on with you again for, catch what you, it's episode 209, you said, or 208? 208, episode 208. 208. Yes, 208. Gosh, Crazy, so right? how many years has this been now? Is uh 16? This, this show did, <laughs> it's like Happy Days. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, uh, 2016, my bad. <laughs> it's like Happy Days, it kind of blends, it. no, no, it's like Survivor, there's like nine <laughs> seasons in one year, so now. Uh, this show debuted in 2014. Wow. Believe that, right? Um, so thank you, Steve. And like I said, Steve and I have an announcement to make at the end of the show. Uh, good evening and happy new year to the Godfather, Nate Milton. What's going on, brother? Happy New Year. Um, you know, not not to get too far afield already and take the show off the rails, but, uh, you know, we, we tend to stay apolitical, Scotty, on this show. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd like to have fun, and I'm not going to yes. put anybody's name out there, but Steve Willie, mm. as the conscience of Place to Be Nation, I am giving you power of attorney. If there's ever a point in my life where I try something, let's just throw out a number, let's say 11 times. And the people I'm trying, the people I'm trying to impress, tell me Nate, it's not hitting. You know, the, it's that old MC Hammer video, Hammer, you ain't hitting in New York. If the people tell me eleven times, Steve Willie, that what I'm doing ain't right, I need you to to go into dad mode and just grab me by the shoulder and say, Hey, champ, you gave it your best shot. Let's go get some deep dish and soft serve and call it a day. That that, like and that's all point. I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh God. Well, you know what? There's an uh, let's put it this way, Nate. You'd be an upgrade in in looks over the one mm. <laughs> the one that just left. So let's let's mm. let's, let's at least you're, you're you're a much you're a much better looking human being. But anyway, uh, so let's let's, let's 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 pump the brakes on that. All right. So anyway, brother, happy New Year, brother. It's always good to see. Yes, you. Yes, I've got an my... announcement at the end of the program too. I'm announcing my congressional bid. <laughs> <laughs> Virginia's always so wonky. Um, I'll, I'm going to announce that I have my amazing Black Adam Steel book behind me, and uh, I will give it away for the twelfth uh, vote. So, <laughs> 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 there, 
then we're going to get to 30 votes. Anyway, uh, that, <laughs> that, that awesome Texas chortle you hear in the background is the sheriff. Good evening and happy new year, Pete Schermacher. Bang, bang. How's it going, guys? Happy new year. Uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> It's always good to have. We're, we're in a great mood, as you can tell, because Pete, honestly, fun fact: Pete is in his twelfth consecutive term as sheriff. There you go. <laughs> Nobody runs against him. Unopposed. He is unopposed. <laughs> he is unopposed in that northern Texas machine. In that Texas machine, baby. Uh, guys, we're all in a great mood. Everybody's happy. We're good. Every movie we've seen has done great. <laughs> um, we think, uh, but. Uh, we also, guys, had a tremendous week of professional wrestling, I think. Uh, great news. Uh, well, news. Uh, some great, some not so great if you look at it at face value, but really it's a big lot of nothing. Um, of course, the first big show of all the uh, six-pack of promotions occurred earlier this week. And we are, of course, talking about Wrestle Kingdom 17. Can you believe that? Steve Aloysius Willie, 17 Wrestle Kingdoms. Um, and uh, that, of course, happened uh, this past week, uh, earlier earlier this week, I should say. Uh, they only did one night. Well, one night and not in succession. I guess there is a night two, which will be later this month. Uh, I don't know if you I, I was kind of perplexed by that. Yeah, it's I, just yeah, it's just a name only. Yeah, it's, it's it's very strange. Uh, Kevin Kelly was mentioning that. It was very strange. Obviously. Like WrestleMania backlash. Yeah. It is it is like WrestleMania backlash. Uh, of course, New Year Dash um, uh, was uh, the next night. And then the next show coming up is Road to the New Beginning. Mm. That'll be taking place. Uh, um, do we know? Let's see. Well, yes. Uh Road to the New Beginning will start January 24th at the uh, Aichi Prefectural Gymnasium in Nagoya, Japan. Uh, there'll be four dates, uh, one in January and three in February. There's the New Beginning uh, in Nagoya, the New Beginning in Sapporo, and the New Beginning in Osaka. Um, so that's the next pay-per-view after that, or whatever, next big show for, uh, for uh, New Japan. But let's not look ahead. Let's talk about this past week. Wrestle Kingdom took place um, at its usual haunt, the uh, Tokyo Dome in Yokohama. Um, I have not seen Mr. Meltzer's grades for these matches. They're probably all 36 stars. I don't know. But uh, I have to say, I I watched it. I watched the whole show. Um, I thank Steve Willie for letting me skip the first hour and 20 minutes of stuff. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I, I, the, the clip pops up and I go five hours and 30 shit. Oh God. Scott, when it popped up, um, uh, yesterday during the day, cause I watched the first couple, I watched like the pre-show and such, uh, at a coffee shop <laughs> and it would, the uh, file was six hours and 12 minutes. Six hour, 12 minutes. Yeah. I'm like, what? What file did you get? Yeah. Like, what is this, the Place to Be Nation Christmas special? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting between the sheets. Um, <laughs> but yeah, after you eliminate the pre-show and then like the, and there's like a half hour break in there before the actual show started, it was yeah. probably four plus hours, which is yeah, kind of far these days. It's a mania show. It's, it's a mania, except for two. Um, Way better so, than two days of it. Yeah, well, that's true. 
All right, so here's the uh, let's let's go through the card and we'll go we won't go match by match, but we'll we'll highlight the stuff we want to highlight. So um, there were three uh, pre matches, uh, three pre show matches. There was uh, and I actually watched this till this I was watching this match till Steve told me to skip. I did watch the three minute draw between uh, Ryohi Oiwa and Oleg <laughs> Oleg Bolton, and when I first looked at Oleg Bolton, I said. Um, he looks like Lars Sullivan, and I'm thinking, oh, Japanese like that kind of stuff. No, <laughs> okay, but it wasn't. Thank God. Um, so uh, that was a fun little three minute sprint. Then there was the New Japan Rambo to determine who will challenge for the provisional KOPW 2023 championship, which is a belt, which is a championship that goes clear over my head. Um, <laughs> uh, at New Year Dash the next night, and it, the the final four were Great Okan. Uh, Shingo Takagi, Sho, and Toriano. We'll get to that in a minute. Then in the Antonio Inoki Memorial six-man tag team match, which if he was alive would have been in the main event, uh, <laughs> Yuji Nagata, Satoshi Kojima, and Togi Makabe defeated Mr. Tatsumi Fujinami. Maybe this should have been on the main show. Uh, Tatsumi Fujinami, uh, a goat. Minoru Suzuki, a goat. And Tiger Mask, another goat. And they actually lost. So, um... Very interesting. Well, let me be fair. This tiger mask isn't a goat. Uh, the original, oh. yeah. <laughs> the the mask it. itself, yeah. not the guy wearing it. The mask itself. Yes. Is a goat. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, so that was the pre-shows. Now we'll get to the main stuff. First match of the card: catch two of two. TJP and Francesco. Catch twenty-two. Yep. Catch twenty. Oh, is that what it is? Why is this? Why is the slash there? Is that some fancy pants thing? Yeah. Who knows. Okay, TJP and Francesco Akira uh, defeated Leo, of course, Leo Russian Yo, to retain the junior heavyweight tag, the junior tag titles. Uh, of course, this was highlighted by the fact that uh, uh, that uh, 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 Leo Rush almost ripped his face off um, on the uh, LED floor or whatever. And um, uh, they showed him afterwards. Um, and he was, uh, he had his nose bandaged up. He had like some stitches above his eye and he, he got, he got pretty wrecked. He got wrecked pretty good, but fun match though. I enjoyed it. Um, uh, anybody else catch that match? Steve, you did, right? Yeah, I did. I, I enjoyed it. it. It reminded me of when I don't want to like bury the Wrestle Kingdoms the last couple of years. Cause it's not like they were bad shows. They were just, you know, there were no crowds. They were two days or too long. Um, but like when NJPW was at its hottest, they'd usually start off with one of these heavyweight tag team title matches, and they'd usually do it with four corners. And I, I like that this was just a straightforward tag, um, mm. and, and that Leo is on the main show of of Wrestle Kingdom. That was great to see, and he had right. pretty good uh, both teams. The first time I seen both teams together, and um, like I've obviously TJP, I've seen Leo, I've seen Yo. And right. I and I thought that I thought it was fun. I thought it was a really good opener, and it was nice to see the crowd be able to actually make noise besides clapping. So yeah, I thought it was a is a pretty fun opener, and it reminded me of the better uh, days, the days of yore of New Japan. Which <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, you know that's a fair comment you made, Steve. Like, um, I mean, I didn't catch the match, so I mean, I'm not going to comment on that part. But like a lot of the old uh, Tokyo Dome shows, they'd have these. Four-way, I mean, it'd be like, uh, you know, you'd have, like, the Young Bucks. You'd have the Rocky Romero team. You'd have 
another team, and so you'd have these four junior heavyweight teams, and it would just be just a collection of this would be just you know too much going on, and here it was just you know it sounds like they simplified it and just made it two teams and just made it into a tag, which a lot of times that happens, you know, and also you always, people, a lot of people complain how far away you, it worked, would have worked better in a tag situation and here they did, they did it, which, you know, yeah, simple, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyway, catch 22 retains the, uh, junior, uh, heavyweight tag titles. Next up, uh, our first like crazy big moment of the, uh, of the night. Kyrie, yes, that Kyrie, except without the sailor hat and the ship's wheel, uh, successfully defended her IWGP women's title, defeating Tam Nakano. Uh, Nakano. But then, this the match itself is not what we're talking about here. It is who walked out afterwards, um, complete with her gi and the crown or whatever that thing was. Uh, and her very unusually dyed hair, which I thought was kind of neat. Well done. And I also uh, thought like the little rumors homage. were true. I also thought there was a little homage to Lita with the little uh, uh, showing a little bit of her uh, like thong type of thing, a little bit. <laughs> I did see that. It was a little, little, uh, a little, uh, you know, more risque than her usual. But of course, we are talking about the artist formerly known as the boss, Sasha Banks, who was officially debuted as the CEO. Because for some reason, uh, WWE owns the word boss. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yes. Strange. Uh, yes. Every time Bruce name, Springfield it, performs, he cuts Vince a check. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we are talking, of course, about Mercedes Monet. And not with a T like Frankie Monet. And she didn't come out with a dog. Um, yes. Mercedes Monet. M-O-N-E. Walk down the ramp. And cut a average promo, mm-hmm. and uh, of course uh, made her clear that she is going after Kyrie and the women's title. Uh, obviously, this is not a together too. And what? Seems like they botched their spot. Yeah, it was weird. I thought that um, she was going to do. It looked like she was doing a judo throw, and then I thought she was going to go into that um, what her big statement move, and then just let it go. And then something was weird with the throw. I don't know if it was, yeah, it, it was kind of it was kind of botched, and the crowd was really quiet too. Um, they didn't. The crowd was great once it, the, the show started picking up. Uh, you know, it was like they were saving something. Uh, yeah, it was. It, it was a. I, I don't know what they were trying to do with that. Uh, I was a little disappointed in the match too. I thought that, I thought it was going really well, and then it just ended. And I I don't have any exact times maybe do to do Scott, but it felt like. It felt like it was only about uh, seven or eight minutes. I think it was, it was the match itself. Yeah, you talking about the match? Yeah, the yeah. match was five fifty-six. Yeah, yeah. Oh, then, that's uh, right on. Way too short. Uh, and yeah. usually, I'm what, like, you know, it felt like you're bringing this new division in. You want to promote your stardom. You want to have Sasha make this big debut. Like, give the give the match some at some time. There's obviously, you know, the two mains are going to go over half an hour. But give it like 10 minutes. It didn't have to be a, a, right. a marathon because it, it was, you know, like a lot of people haven't seen Nakano. And I, I, I think I've seen her once. And you could like sell the division and sell stardom and make more money because you're mm-hmm. saying that Sasha's going to be on both of those promotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was, I was a little bit disappointed. That was one of my biggest disappointments. of. Isn't, of, that, isn't that a Wrestle Kingdom trope, though? 
where the, all the undercard matches are like 10 minutes or less. And yeah. Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, when there were two the two days, there were like these huge multi man like worthless matches. Yeah, but it's just like I really like five minutes when you're debuting this this whole new huge star and a whole new division at once. Like it was it, just disappointed by because I think I was really starting to get into it and then it just ended. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. Yeah, I uh, I thought yeah the move the, yeah the move botch was bad and the promo. Listen. I, I, Steve, you're probably you guys are probably a little more in tune to the general culture of the of the TV type of things or the the in ring kind of things for for New Japan than I am. But I feel like that Sasha's I'm sorry Mercedes promo was very NXT ish and I feel like it didn't. Now again, Japanese crowds aren't like our crowds. They you know they they're very different and you know the quiet and that kind of thing. But I feel like the promo just didn't resonate. Like, I feel like uh, she was trying too hard to be, you know, her NXT or her WWE character. And I think feel like the crowd's like, oh, Jesus, we're going to have one of them here. One of these <laughs> annoying gaijin. Like, one of these annoying gaijins. I, I, I was getting a vibe a little bit that she, I mean, she was trying not to be Sasha Banks. Um but be Sasha Banks, you know, still trying to do some of their mannerisms, but still trying right. to recreate the character. I just don't feel she, at the time, I didn't feel she felt comfortable in her skin at that moment in time. And I, then, it, and it, then, it, then it came across on TV to me that way. And right. I thought, too, yeah, I felt too that I, I, this was just a guess and I was just kind of wondering this, you know, speaking to the Japanese crowd like her comfort with that aspect of it. You know, mm-hmm. Kenny yeah. Kenny speaks very fluent Japanese. Osprey's been there forever, so we know and and also has done many main events. So he's talked to the crowd. Same with Jay White. I like I wonder like, do I talk slowly? Do I just talk regular? You know, how and yeah, it just it was a little mm-hmm. tentative. But it was more like just the sheer fact that she debuted and the look was really cool. And like you said, yeah. Scott, like uh like the hair was really interesting. They had her shirts up on pro wrestling tees. Um, like I started watching at nine in the morning and they were already up. Like she had like 10 different merchandise things. So good on her. I'm really happy wow. for her um, because like this is stuff she's been like, like she's been going to Mexico during the pandemic and, and learning Lucha and right. She might be back in WWE somewhat time. I like, I'm sure she will be. But like the fact to be able to go out in Japan and do some of this, and then she's going to be in the card in uh, San Jose. And I have a, a friend of mine is she's really excited to go to the show. Or she was already going to the show. Now she's even more excited for this. So yeah, I'm just I'm really happy about it because it's different. It's a huge name in mm-hmm. New Japan, way bigger, bigger than Kenny, mm-hmm. to be honest. Like in terms mm-hmm. of in terms of mainstream appeal, I mean, she's yeah. been in the Mandalorian. Yeah, yep. no, and yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think I, I'm just trying to see how she does, like when it comes to selling tickets, like because I think her name's gonna help uh, New Japan in the states and stuff uh, cross things. And you know, when you really think about it, she was slotted in a spot in WWE. She was always gonna be behind um, Charlotte, Becky, and mm-hmm. and Ronda to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. As talented, if not more talented, has just as much charisma, younger. Um, and, and the thing though with Sasha or Monet 
was that she could actually play heel or babyface and then do do both really well. While Becky is clearly a better babyface, Charlotte's mm-hmm. a better heel, Ronda's a better heel, way better heel. And if they try to flip them to different roles, it just it never works. Well, so, but I felt bad for her because she was slotted in a slot, and she had she she could she was. If not, she's as good, if not better, than all of them. And uh, right, put in a slot, and that just sucks for her. And I, I don't blame her for like, you know what? Here I go. Let me get out of here and show you what I can really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I just from like years and years ago, except different in in the sense that she still had more success than Cody did originally in the WWE. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was definitely slotted in a spot, and she had a they had a ceiling for her. Right. I agree. I agree. Let time will tell. I mean, it's just one moment and, you know, we got a lot to and, you know, she might be bouncing around because well, when we get into some AEW stuff in a little bit, uh, you know, that 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 rumor is still floating around. But we'll get yeah. to that in a minute. Um, so there we go. So anyway, Kyrie uh, uh, successfully defended her title. Uh, we did have a great tag match and this was a sprint it was only 10 10. But Bishamon, I love that name, Bishamon, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. Did defeat FTR to win the uh, IWGP tag titles. Uh, I thought it was a fun match. I, I, well, I love FTR anyway. It's Tully and Arn, so fine with that. Um, but I thought that was a great match. A uh, little short, I agree. I, I, the whole uh, Pete's right. Like you have to get if you have to fit an hour for the last two matches, the the, the undercard <laughs> does get kind of boned, um, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts on that is, Steve, but. Uh, this match I would love to have seen go another five minutes. It was a good match, though. Yeah, it was a good match. Um, I like the story. Like, the, you know, all three organizations are working together, uh, AAA and AEW and New Japan. So, you know, FTR has basically lost all three titles in the course mm-hmm. of one month. So that will, you know, there's a ready-made storyline for when they come back to AEW proper. Of mm-hmm. you know they had all the success and in just a short span of four weeks they lost to the Briscoes they lost to Dragon Lee and Drillistico and now to Goto and and Tacos as Chad Campbell likes to refer to as Yoshihashi um, <laughs> Goto and Tacos <laughs> yeah so yeah it's it yeah. kind of a typical IWGP title match in the middle card ten minutes and um, yeah it was it wasn't bad it wasn't you know it wasn't seven star FTR but it was, it was perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it was a total sprint. It was a sprint. It was fun. It was a total, not an FTR style match. Yeah, definitely um, not. You know, it was totally yeah. display to their strengths, which was more that made it even more impressive of how, uh, how well they, they came off doing it. Cause it's not definitely not their uh, cup of tea. They go, go, go. I mean, there was no heat segments. I mean, it was just, it was just kind of like, Almost like a, the ring. like a spot fest that wasn't super spotty. It was just, I don't know, it was just go, go, go. Um, uh, it was fun. Um, yeah, you know, and I still don't understand how that works with the, all the belts and stuff. Because, like, New Japan does not work with AAA. They work mm-hmm. with CMLL. Um, that's why Dragon Lee ended up signing with WWE. Uh, because he left... Um, uh, that's why he didn't go back to New Japan because he went to AAA and left CMLL. So I don't know how all this <laughs> transpired politically because it seems like a landmine uh, uh, and stuff. Because CMLL is the team, is the Mexican company that uh, New Japan works with and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. 
so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm curious on how this all all played out, but maybe that's probably good stuff. I think AEW just told AAA what to do. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, well, we'll see. We'll see how this plays out uh, from this point forward. Um, P, uh, Nate, what kind of year do you think FTR is going to have? Like, I, I know we weren't going to do we were, we're going to get into more prediction stuff on our next episode, but. Now that their slate's kind of clean, what are your thoughts on them going forward for this year? It feels like FTR was the tag team version of AJ Styles back in Impact, but for all of these other organizations where we we need somebody to steady the ship in these uncertain times, Steve Willie. Mm. So why not go to arguably the best team on the planet right now? And so they go to AAA, they go to New Japan. And so it's like, when you when you were a kid and you got 20 bucks for Christmas and your parents took you to the grocery store, to the mall. I don't know why your parents are taking you to the grocery store with Christmas money, but let's just go with it, Steve. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe you were a hungry child back then. Uh, and, and they're holding on to the money until you can find something that you want to buy. And they're like, OK, you can buy it. It feels like that's how, what FTR was with these belts. Like we're going to hold these belts until these companies are ready to kind of transition into whatever their post-pandemic plans are. And so now I think the storyline, much to what Scotty was alluding to earlier, is FTR on on the comeback, on the redemption tour, particularly in AEW, where, you know, we we saw this past week where uh, the, the, the gun boys, uh, you know, had the mock funeral for FTR. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's going to be a big part of their early 2023, but it's going to be about reestablishing themselves, but also I think you're going to get a lot of them engaging in matchups with a lot of their younger teams on the come up and giving them the rub. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think so too. I think so too. And, and, you know, the AEW tag division has always been really good. So, mm. uh, so Bishaman, is that the way you say it, Steve? Sure. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, it, Cause I'll, I'll wear a t-shirt that just says Bishaman. Cause it's easier than, Los Ignorables. Neither of those guys have ever been my favorites. <laughs> yeah. Um, next, we have the finals of the inaugural IWGP television title. And one of my favorites, ZSJ, Zack Sabre Jr., defeats Renderita in 1032 to win the inaugural title. And then uh, those two dudes from... Um, what the hell is it? NWGP or what the hell is their thing called again? I'm trying to get TMDK. used to some of these... Uh, they were um they were in NXT and uh Shane Haste and they look, Mikey Nichols and I forget they one looked, was Shane Thorne and I can't remember their one of NXT. the other guy, one of the guys, I swear to God, from a distance, one of the guys looked just like uh uh um Roddy Strong from mm. a distance, and I'm like, whoa, what the fuck? And it wasn't him. <laughs> um uh of course, Steve, as all well, as all three of you guys know, I am a belt junkie. Uh, the IWGP TV belt is hideous. Uh, it looks like a giant TV tray on uh, on a on a horse uh, on a on a leather horse saddle. It's the strangest fucking belt I've ever seen. I don't know where New Japan gets like their belt thinking because I still I, I, we'll talk more about the world title at the end of the show, but or at the end of the, when we get to that match. But um, the belt is hideous. You know what? I think every belt is hideous, and then after like a year, I liked it. So I'll probably get accustomed to it at some point. Um, we'll let that match go. I mean, we'll, I mean, obviously Zack Sabre speaks for himself. Yeah. Oh, yeah he's he's one of my favorite wrestlers. Uh, 
yeah, big big win there, and we'll we'll get more into that down the line. But we we but now new Japan. But here's a question. All right, I'll I'll ask this question quickly, guys. I'll, this is a general question. You don't have to watch the match to know. So I'll start with you, Nate. Does does New Japan need a television title belt? Are they? Is this something that could this guys? All right, let me ask this because I just thought of this now. Could this be a precursor to? Some North American television, like legit North American television, um, uh, because like, did they need a TV belt? Mm. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do you think, Nate? I mean, a they've got a lot of belts. Like, if you were into belt collecting, then New Japan is is the promotion for you. <laughs> they have so yes. yep. many belts. Uh, but I think. And this goes to something we talked about two and a half, three years ago when New Japan was kind of first trying to make its inroads and then got sidetracked as the, the rest of the world did uh, by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like if you do get TV in North America, particularly in America, um, you know, sorry, Canada, but they really like you're not the market they're after. Uh, let's be <laughs> real. Uh but if they get TV in North America, you're not going to be seeing the uh, IWGP belt like every week. And so you need a proxy for that, you know, something to set, you know, that particular program apart. And I think, you know, with the right person, this could be that. Uh, if that is not the goal, though, then it does feel like it's a bit superfluous, like Krusty the Clown's third nipple. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first time I've seen a third nipple uh, on television or movies. If you're a Bond fan, you don't know what I'm up. Um, if we've seen your me... browser history, Scotty. <laughs> so that's why George Barrios took my uh, my PTB CEO seat. Um, <laughs> the one time I borrowed Vince's laptop, and this is what happens. Now, um, so uh, and of course, you know they, you know AEW took that uh, took that hobby to heart because they've got 67 belts too, but. And most of their belts are actually very nice looking. I like I like most of AEW's belts. Um anyway, what do you think, Steve? Am I am I on track for something like when do they ever need a TV title? Like, is there something in the offing that maybe we're not thinking of, or something maybe kind of going on behind the scenes? It, we have a rule in my house, and we don't have many rules like between uh, my wife and I as a couple. One of them is if I buy a T-shirt, I have to get rid of at least two old T-shirts. Mm. And I think that New Japan should listen to this. To bring in one championship, you need to get rid of at least two, uh, one of which would be the, the following match. Um, I'm not, uh, yes. I'm not opposed to the television title because I think it might go back and forth between like, you know, it might be on strong or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm intrigued by is that it's at least different that it's going to be a 15-minute time limit. Um, Zach said it was going to be more technical-based, and that's why he was interested in it, like more technical style-based. And you know, it's kind of like Stardom has their, like, I forget what the time limit is on their, like, speed belt or whatever it's called. It's like 10 minutes or something like that. So right. I give it, it's something different, whereas, like, you're never open weight, and there's still a never open weight six-man title for some reason. There's just, like, no reason for them at all. So if, if they want to get rid of a couple and, and do something new and bring this in, that's fine just because it's a different style. So you're not gonna get you're you're gonna get something a little bit different. And they have a lot of young guys that can, you know, the match with Narita was good. 
that can work this style and you know it's one of my favorite styles to watch too so i mm-hmm. can't complain about that right what do you think pete yeah like everyone said it so they have it's overkill on the belts um if they're planning on running a tv in the u.s um i would already have that in place before i or if i did i mean this is something i'd be getting a tv belt right before i got my tv Mm-hmm. So I mean I I don't know um, I think it was just another Gato watching some old <laughs> Crockett and seeing how <laughs> fucking belts and uh, like hey let's do it and uh, that's what they're doing. Um, but well, it'd be kind of cool. I'd be cool mm-hmm. if they get a, a, a TV in the U.S. But man, it's hard, dude. <laughs> I yeah, mean, they have that access thing, but I, I don't yeah. know anybody who gets that anymore. Yeah. Um, and New Japan well, is made to do weekly television. It's just not. I mean, no. um, plus they have this whatever this provisional KOPW. Like, I don't even know what the hell that thing even is. I I I, I don't even. I'm trying to read it on Wiki. I'm trying to figure out what this belt, what this title. Actually, it's not even a belt. They carry around a trophy or something. I don't even know what. I don't. I can't even get it. I don't. Not know. worth it. Sometimes I feel like New <laughs> Japan gets too far into their own heads. I I feel like sometimes. Uh, anyway, congrats to Zack Sabre Jr. He is the inaugural New Japan television champion. Uh, next, uh, a match that uh, we'd like to just totally blow through. In fact, uh, this was the other one Steve told, Steve instructed me to skip. Uh, Tamatanga is the new never open weight champion, whatever the hell that ever meant, um, by beating uh, Mr. Shot, Mr. Uh, Mich- I almost called him Shotgun Anderson. Wrong gun. Uh, Machine Gun Anderson. Carl Anderson, of course. Uh, so we have a new never open weight champion. Can anybody, seriously, can anybody of my of my brethren here at the table, boys, what the fuck does never open weight mean? What does that mean? Open weight. Anybody could go for it? Isn't that like any belt ever? That's not a junior heavyweight? Like, what, what was yeah, the originally, point of that belt? It felt originally that it was going to be like a tweener for, like, juniors who are going to move up to the heavyweight class. And that could be, like, a way to get them working in that area and then it like for a while i thought like maybe it's going to be like their x division type thing and then it's just like pretty much like will osprey would be a cruiserweight probably in like i don't know if he's over 205 pounds or not but like anybody can wrestle pretty much for the heavyweight division at this point uh except a very few people it, it just it is it's just pointless it's just there's no reason for it with all of these other belts uh, like, I get if it was, like, a gateway belt when there was just, um, like, the two heavyweights and that, and then, like, the the U.S., which kind of went back and forth. But now like, there's all these other mm-hmm. titles. Like, you, you just don't need them. I mean, literally they, every... They have, what, 30, maybe 30 wrestlers on their roster? Yeah, and literally every match on this card was a title match. They weren't titles that were brought in from other promotions, um, that which they've done in the past, they do like a British heavyweight belt where like the Rev Pro title was held. Um, and they didn't even have all the titles on the show. They didn't have whatever the six man titles were. And the only other match that didn't have a title was like the special Muda retirement match. So that was a you know basically a special match in itself. Mm. Very bizarre. If everyone has a I, title, then the title isn't important. Nope. Yep. Oh, totally. Agreed. 100%. Um, 
so there we go. So Tamatanga uh, has that belt. Uh, next, we have oh, this one. This one made me very misty. Uh, just like in 2020 at Wrestle Kingdom 15, when we saw the farewell of arguably the greatest cruiserweight that ever lived, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. Uh, now, this is not his last match. <laughs> his last match is apparently on February 21st. This is his official last New Japan match. A six-man tag. So you had Los Ignorables, Diabon, uh, Naito, Sonata, and uh, Bushi. Taking on the team of Mr. Tanahashi, uh, Shota Umino, and Keiji Muto, a.k.a. the Great Muto. Uh, I... I, I when I got when we got to this match, I said it in our little chat in our in our discussion chat, guys. I I'm a mark for these kind of things. I admit it. I don't care. Uh, I get I get misty when I see legends that aren't Ric Flair uh, actually have a last match um, uh, because I love the man. Uh, we all know that, but that last match, uh, we're not even going to talk about it. Um, but uh, we all know the legacy that. That Muda has, of course, he'll forever be connected to Nate's boy, uh, the man they call Sting, and their epic, uh, their amazing feud in 1989. Um, How cool is it that Sting is going to team up with him in Darby? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Yep. That is absolutely tremendous. And uh, so, anyway, of course, the good guys won. Uh, and was it you who, who told me is Tanahashi like the New Japan version of Cena? Was that you that told somebody told me that? Is that is he like their Cena kind of guy? You know, like goody goody. Yeah, I can. Oh yeah, yeah they're, they're, he was their ace forever. Uh, Okada replaced him, but yeah, he was a their ace in the in the dark ages when New Japan was down. He mm-hmm. was on top when they made their comeback, uh, drawing money wise. Um, he's yeah, he's just yeah. So he's like a combination between Cena and WCW Sting, like the top guy in a bad period. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, And then, of course, we get, uh, you know, we get uh, the guys in the uh, on the commentary table. Somebody said uh, Liger was floating around. They didn't show him, but they did show. And I mentioned one of them earlier. Because he was on the pre-show, and that is, of course, Tatsumi Fujinami, who is a goat, uh, just like Muda is a goat. And then the guy sitting next to Fujinami at the broadcast table was uh, Masa Chono, also a goat. Mm. Um, and a member of the Three Musketeers with Muda, Ashimoto, yep. and Chono. When oh, my God. And NWO 2000. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how could we forget? Of course. How, how, how can we not? How can we stop remembering it? Thanks, Steve. Yeah, uh, so, how can we forget about NWO Japan? You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, very quickly. Uh, maybe we'll do an episode on the on on him down the line. But I'll start with you, Nate, because again, he will be forever connected to your boy. What is the legacy of Muda? Do you feel? Do you think he gets lost in the shuffle? Is he a guy that stands on his own? What do? You, what is? What is the legacy of Muda? Well, first of all, you know, we're all, you know, men of a certain age here, uh, much like Scott Bakula and Andre Brower. That's a deep cut. Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel like this Buddha retirement tour is much like James Brown's old gimmick. And, and you don't have to be our age to know this. If, if you 
know how to look up James Brown on YouTube, or if you've seen any uh, parody or, or any movie that, that has a character parodying James Brown, you know, one of James Brown's famous bits, Steve Willie, mm. is he gets so into the song that he gets exhausted. Mm-hmm. And they have to put a cape on him and, and, and lead him off stage. And then he comes back, Steve. And then he does it again. And then sometimes he does it three or four times during the performance. And that's what this mood of retirement tour feels like. It's like, yes, this is my last match as, as the great Muda. I'm done. But I'm back for a match in New Japan. But this is my last match in New Japan. But I'm back for a match with Sting and Darby. <laughs> uh, like, this man has had six retirement matches, uh, at least. Uh, and, and I've enjoyed them all, even though I haven't seen this one. I'm sure I'll enjoy it when I watch it. Uh, but I think Muda's legacy is kind of complicated in that I do feel like he gets lost in the shuffle when you talk about the all-time greats or people that were very influential uh, in their eras. But when you go back and look at him, he is arguably one of the most important and influential Japanese wrestlers of all time. Uh, he is a guy that helped accelerate the evolution of light heavyweights and cruiserweights in North America. Uh, and he had a meaningful and uh, important rivalry with a guy like Sting, who is also kind of in that same boat as Muda, I feel like, when it's, when it's all going to be said and done. Sting is a guy that people will know, but I feel like his true impact will kind of be overshadowed by others who shone brighter during his time. Uh, but, you know, you can't talk about kind of the history of Japanese wrestling and certainly the history of light heavyweight and cruiserweight wrestling in, in North America without bringing up the great Muda. Mm. How about you, Pete? I mean, I think his legacy will always be that he was one of the first Japanese guys that American fans took to as a major mm -hmm. star. Mm -hmm. And they didn't do the wink, wink, kind of like, like if you think about it, WWF at the time had a Mr. Fuji in a manager role, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Right. They they'd always have, you know, they connected him to the great Kabuki, who, who who's mm -hmm. treated as a star in the territories. But this is on national television. This is, you know, one of the two big companies of all time in the United States uh, with w and, uh, NWA slash WCW. And he, you know, you just you always remember, like me as a kid, I always remember like the Dragon Shy matches where it was him do beating up three jobbers at once type of matches mm -hmm. and doing the moonsault and the power elbow, uh, the handspring. It's just, you know, the package with the mist. Um, yeah, he just, you know, he was a guy who, you know, had a really hot run there for a year in, 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 in Crockett and WCW. And then boom, went back to Japan. And then every 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 few years, he'd pop up back on like a pay per view or a TV and make an appearance. And and you remembered him. He was just a fond character that people remember. But I mean, his legacy truly more is in Japan. So that's hard for us kind of maybe to put in perspective because he wasn't on our television on a weekly basis like a, a Sting or a, or whoever you know. So. But yeah, but growing up, man, he was something special. And uh, for the, for the, for the South, when you think about it, uh, that's a big deal. They they looked at him as a big star mm -hmm. when, he, when he debuted, and and you got to think about it. There was a lot of racial over undertones uh, back then right. when he was debuting, where they didn't usually Japanese wasn't viewed as a star. I mean, Muda was kind of like. 
he was the he was like the first guy from Japan, really truly, to to, to be perceived as a huge star, and, it, and then it transcended into like Jushin Liger, that allowed mm. Liger to come in in '92 and get over with Pillman and stuff, and uh, and so he has that he has that type of uh, legacy to look at on the big on the big grand picture. And and to that point, Pete, like by '80 standards. Like Muda was not like we can look back now with 2023 eyes and see like some of the stuff might have been a little bit stereotypical, but by 80 standards, like Muda was way ahead of the curve. Like he wasn't yeah. a Mr. Fuji or he wasn't, you know, somebody like later than him, like a Sonny Ono who just felt like a caricature. Like Muda felt like a legitimate badass who just happened to be Japanese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, and he beat Sting, which well, not many people were beating mm-hmm. Sting back then, you know. Um, uh, and he had, he had a, he had, you know, he had a great television match with Ric Flair. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. he looked super strong until it was time for him to go, and then all of a sudden he starts losing. But I mean, yeah, he had an undefeated streak. I mean, it had one of the best moments in WCW history, and I will always stand by this claim, Steve Willie, in mm-hmm. the match at Halloween Havoc, the tag match with Sting and Flair versus Funk and Muda, when the cage gets caught on fire, <laughs> and yes. Muda puts out the fire with the mist. With the one mist. of the best moments yeah. in WCW history. That is kind of awesome. I'm not gonna. That lie. was the healing mist. There was like <laughs> he was able to work up whatever mist he needed to. The healing mist. That's pretty great. Um, I have multiple uh, Muda matches on my GWCW NWA Top 100. I think my highest one was the one from. Uh, I think it was the one from that show at the beginning of '93. When uh when him and Chono wrestled for the uh, I don't know if it was the NWA title or I think it was and Muda beat him, um I have I think I have that at like number ten, um but I have a couple of other uh I have a couple of other uh, Muda matches him and Sting uh spr- sprinkled around my uh I think I have I don't think I have that match but I have some other match that had a, that was a tag and some somewhere in '89 but anyway. Maybe it was uh, that six man uh, that they uh, did that was an incredible match where yes yep. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was uh, who was it? it was Flair, Sting, and Arn maybe versus Muda, the Dragon Master, and Buzz Sawyer. That thing was hot, hot, hot. Yes, 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 it was absolutely. Um, and you know we'll 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 talk more more Muda uh, in uh, in our future future episodes because he's just that good. But it's kind of the, it did it had that same feeling. I think I think what really sucked was. Um, when when Liger had his last match in <laughs> two years ago or two yeah two years ago, uh, <laughs> he lost. That's the sad part. His was a tag <laughs> and he lost, um, which I thought was odd. But anyway, uh, so yeah, so so uh, Mudo uh, Tanahashi and Umino get the win in that uh, six man. All right, now the last three matches we have the Fatal Four Way for the Junior Heavyweight Title. Now we get to the long matches. Uh, Takahashi, uh, wins the title, defeating the walking in champion, uh, Taji uh, Ishimori, El Desperado and Master Watto. Um, a good match. They threw, threw themselves all over the place. 1643 your time. And yeah, it was, you know, it was a solid match. Um, anything, Steve, you want to comment on that? I, mean, I thought it was just a pretty solid match. Yeah. It's again, another trope of like the four way juniors or, you know, the junior tag, um, right, and and it's, it's you know these are basically your four main Japan or New Japan junior heavyweights. Maybe add Bushi from Lij in there. 
Um, so there's it's always a combination of this. I mean, they have TJP and Yo, and I think Yo set up a match with um, Takahashi on New Year's Dash. I, I just very briefly went over the, the card on that because that was, you know, on the on the day we're taping here, and um, they usually just start different feuds with that. So right, yeah, it was great. It was fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, now to our I guess you could say double main event. And to me, after watching both matches today, it's a tale of two styles. Because uh, I felt I watched two very different matches uh, in terms of the delivery. First off, the United the uh, IWGP U.S. Heavyweight Championship, which still makes no sense. Um, and, well, I guess because they I guess they do wrestle in L.A., so maybe that kind of counts. Uh, Will. Osprey, your IWGP United States heavyweight champion, loses to Kenneth, who came back with his aluminum foil hair for the first time in a few years. Um, and Kenneth uh, is your IWGP US champion. Um, that match, uh, and your match time, big shock, uh, the official time is... Uh, 34-38 was actually the, the longest match of the night. Uh, about a minute less than our last match. Um, this was a legitimate uh, New Japan main event style match. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wrestled like that. And obviously you're talking about, you know, Kenny and Will. I mean, duh. Um, but it felt it felt like a New Japan match. Fast-paced. Not a lot of, you know, fluff or hullabaloo or yapping at each other and that kind of crap. Um, they had some stiff, stiff shots. Um, I felt maybe it went a little long. I felt like there were a couple of times, maybe in the last five minutes, where they probably could have gone home and they didn't. I don't think it hurts the match, but I felt like maybe they, maybe they went a little too long. But I thought the match was great. I don't know what I don't know if Dave has, uh, has graded it yet. Um, I really enjoyed it, and... It really felt like a New Japan match. And I keep I keep emphasizing that because in a minute we're going to talk about a match that I felt had no feel of a New Japan match at all. Um, I I know you didn't catch the match, Nate. Pete, did you catch You caught this match, right? Yeah, and I, I, I liked it. Um, if I was going to give it a star rating, I'd give it like in a four and a half star rating. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff I liked. I mean... First of all, both, but you know, but there's other things I didn't like. Like they both, they almost looked identical. Like they looked like former tag partners for crying out loud, or yeah, they the same yeah. killer. Um, yeah. I, I dug how Osprey took that big bump into the guardrail, and he's Omega's working over the back. So I like that. I see Osprey selling the back really well, and I loved Omega's cut off of uh, Osprey's comeback, uh, which was, again still focused on the back. Um, I, I I liked Omega with the pile driver, and, and then he's working the cut from the table spots, and a lot of that stuff was nasty. But how many V V triggers do you really need in this match? You know, you're talking about a match going a little long, um, and those V triggers that Omega does look fucking nasty. Uh-huh. I've always wondered why he can't win a match with a V trigger on occasion. Like you might mm. buy that finish, but might buy the fall finishes a little better, or for me anyway, if he'd actually win a match uh, here and there. 
where you see the V triggers and you see a lot of the moves over and over again throughout the match, uh, repetitiveness. And I, I remember that's a critique a lot of people bring up in the Sting Flair uh, Clash of the Champions match. Like there was too many press slams or or whatever. And that's kind of I kind of feel like on the V trigger here. Um, I, I love the uh, missed Oz cutter on the apron. Again, he bangs his back. Um, yeah. Yep. I, I, I love Kevin's explanation of why there was a, a, ta- a, a table under there. Uh, under the ring, I, I like it when announcers explain something uh, like that. Oh wait, this is they, we have an extra table just in case ours breaks. I mean, <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Also, like the other announcer, when o- Osprey's been selling his back the whole way, and then he goes over to do a he goes the announcer goes, oh there he's going, he's he's trying to shake his back injury off by doing a sky twister press or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All the fucking back work right now, um, and that's been an Osprey. One of my things against Will is he 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 tries to sell, and then sometimes he decides to shit I can't because he has this kick ass move he wants to do, and that's what he did there. And Omega's been a a guy who's been guilty of that too. But I think Omega's getting a little older; his body's breaking down a little bit more, so he's got to think a little bit more during his matches. And he's, I think he's putting them together better now, um, because of that situation. Uh, and you know that's 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 where people nowadays get the rep. If they do cool shit, they're a great worker, and that to me, that's not the case. Um, you got to be able to put things together and explain. And you know, A needs to connect to B, B needs to connect to C. Why? why I mean, not, not all matches need to connect the dots, but you got to have a narrative of why. Why? Why are you doing this? Why okay, you're selling it back here? Why can't you work your injury into the comeback? You shouldn't be able to all of a sudden. It's 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 wrestling. It's 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 it's, it's the art of selling. And sometimes we we got away from that. And these are just little things that I, I mean it didn't kill me in the match. But Osprey at times was blowing off the back work. Um, uh, and then the sky twister was that was one of one of them. Um, but I thought his selling was really was pretty dang good throughout the match. But at times it did he did blow it off uh, when he wanted to, and like when when they were going back and forth, it's like okay, man, you just got your ass whipped. Kenny did a really good job, work nasty, working over the cut. You're bleeding, you have your bad back, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're able to go 110 miles an hour when you. You should be slowly working into uh, your comeback as opposed to going from zero to 100. And that's always been a, a complaint I've had against Kenny. It's also a complaint against, I have against uh, Osprey. And uh, Kenny, then that wasn't as bad uh, in the and in this match as, as I felt Osprey was. Um, still, um, I thought there was a lot of really stuff to like in this. Um, I liked having the doctor at ringside, I thought it added some drama. Uh, mm-hmm. to, to the match, I mean, and especially because of the shoot doctor. Um, so overall, man, really good stuff, and uh, they worked their asses off. I'm sure Melts is going to give it six stars because um, uh, he, you know, it's, you know, different strokes, different folks. But I really like the match, and um, it's going in. I really didn't think I was going to like it. I thought it was going to be really, really uh, over the top, and it was. But they also there was a lot of good selling and a good a lot of good storytelling in the match. Hmm. I definitely thought so. I just thought it, it was it was a prototypical um 
you know, New Japan storytelling title match. I feel like that's that's what I was was grasping as I'm watching the the the, the match. What did you think, Steve? Um, I don't really have much to add to that because you know Pete did such a great job of breaking it down. I, I will say that Osprey has gotten away uh, since forming the United Empire of a lot of that kind of high fly flippy stuff. Um, but yeah, that that was that cracked me up too when um he did like this guy you know it's one thing to like slap your back a little bit or stretch it out or you know mm-hmm. like uh i i'm i'm also fine if someone's selling a body part like going for a desperation move with it yeah. like you know giving someone a knee like okay because it's just like all right i'm i'm in dire pain but i'm gonna give it one last shot and just go for it um but overall i i thought it was a great match um, cage match in terms of the fan rating is 9.8 out of 10, which is that's mm. extreme match of the year territory. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I think, think yeah, sorry, I don't think it was like, like all time classic. Great. But I, I thought it was really enjoyable. And my, if a 34 minute match doesn't feel like 34 minutes, um, I, I think that's a victory in itself too. Because there's, you know, there's some 10 minute matches that feel like it's been going on for 34 minutes. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, yeah no, that felt like a 17 minute match. Absolutely. No, it wasn't, it didn't and that's feel a like skill. half hour at all. That's a skill. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I just enjoyed that it was a, it felt like a new Japan match. Like it felt like something that, it felt like a match that, that would main event past Wrestle Kingdoms. I did not feel that way about the last match, our main event. And of course, this is going to be very weird me saying this because it is uh, it, it does include my guy, the man, uh, the new version of the man, in my opinion, um, the IWGP world title on the line, Jay White and my man, K. Okada. And I saw this match live uh, it was, uh, three years, uh, three years ago. Well, I guess it'd be what, three and a half years ago uh, at the G1. Supercard at the Garden, Mania weekend, and I thought the match was really good. Was it great? Not really, but was it good? Yeah. Fast forward to this match, and it feels like this match felt like a North American match. I felt like this match was in WWE or AEW. It had a lot more histrionics. There was a lot more stalling. There's a lot more walking around, mostly by Jay White. Um, uh, I felt Okada was really good, but not at his normal Okada best. I don't know if that's because it's Jay White. I don't know. But but um, it just didn't have that something. And I don't know if it's just because I think Jay White is a good wrestler, but he's not a great wrestler. I don't know what it was, but this this that match felt like a match you would see at like SummerSlam or, you know, or uh, Revolution or Full Gear. Or I, I wouldn't even say well, maybe WrestleMania, but it just felt like a North American wrestling match and not a New Japan match. There's a lot of yelling and talking and walking around and waving your arms. And it was just it just did not. It had the, the extra psychological histrionics that a North American wrestling match would have that a new Japan match, like that Kenny and Will didn't have. I don't know if I'm making any sense at all. Oh, you're making perfect sense, Scott. Um, I don't know. What do you, what'd you think, Pete? I mean, it felt very Southern, um, very, right. very Memphis-y in a way. Uh, mm. I felt very uh, 
Tully Blanchard-esque um, and felt very Jeff Jarrett uh, talking. Almost like the only thing missing was the, uh, Jay White grabbing the microphone and and then talking shit to the crowd for like five minutes. I mean, it uh, that we got a lot of Jay White jawing the crowd. Uh, I thought this. I thought the strikes were really well done and stuff. But yeah, it was totally not a normal Okada match where he's working the neck, he's setting this up for the Rainmaker, um, which is another trope I driving me nuts. And I don't blame Kevin Kelly at all. But my God, all I just want. Why does everyone need to have a fancy name for a move? You know, um, I like right. the what was the money clip? I'm like, good God! Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I get it, it's his gimmick, but come on, <laughs> it, it doesn't need it. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, no, but I I, I, I like this match, but yeah, it was definitely it's so funny to have this one follow that match. Um, mm-hmm. It was so slow paced. Uh, it wasn't, it didn't really reach the climax. It never really got to a climax. It was a good, solid wrestling match. Very, but it did feel very Southern and like, like walking and talking, uh, doing a little bullshit here and there. Right. But everything they did looked like it held weight uh, and looked good and, 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 and legit. Uh, but yeah, but it just, it just didn't have any like, didn't have any awe or shot, you know, and especially following that last match, which had a lot of uh, ooh and ah, uh, this one uh, just didn't have it. And uh, I think maybe they realized they couldn't fucking follow it, so let's try to do something totally different. And mm-hmm. that was their case so that they did that, they, they were spot on in what they tried to do then. Right. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I thought it was definitely a step down from the previous match. Um, I, I, I think Jay White has improved considerably, and I did like his crowd work here. Uh, the little bit that I've watched over the last couple of years is that he would mock the crowd because they couldn't cheer. So he would try to get them to cheer or boo and then laugh at them when they couldn't. Or oh. he would get them to, like, because all the, like, faces would get them to clap. So he'd start coming up with these, like, ridiculous clap rhythms upbeat to try to get the <laughs> crowd to clap along. And then he would mock them for following him. So now that the crowd could cheer, even as he was coming down to the ring, he was he was playing off that. So, you know, that's where that came from. And, th- and I don't know. I think that's kind of good, fun heel work. Um, I I like Okada a lot, but these bigger matches especially can be very similar for him. Mm-hmm. That you see the same kind of build. And he pulled out a couple different matches. He had that, like, somersault uh, senton dive to the floor, which is a little bit different. But it is. It's all just building up to the Rainmaker and it used to be one Rainmaker and now it's like 47 Rainmakers. Yeah. And then there's the J-Maker that I think they just made up to make fun of the whole situation. Um, and it's just wondering, okay, where is the end going to come from? You're waiting for that last 10-minute push because the first 15, 20 minutes are going to be all the same. And that's why I like Jay White in those situations, actually working the crowd, actually, mm-hmm. you know, Making it so, like, if I was there, I'm like, I would just be, well, okay, yep, yeah, here we go. Here's here's the money clip. We know he's not going to do anything with this, and it will just be in for three seconds, and then they'll break that, and then Jay's going to go for this, and then you know that Gato's going to get involved, you know, two or three times, and there's going to be a ref bump. You know, it, it's just very cliche. Yeah, but, you know, and, we were talking about that earlier on the Southern, but, yeah, like, the Gato-Okada um, interactions were very, like, Lawler, Jimmy Hart type uh, shit. And they've been doing it for like five years. 
too. So. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Nate, what are your thoughts on Jay White? His progression at this point for in his career at this moment. You know, I feel like Jay White uh, is. He's he's kind of like. Remember, I remember back in the day, Steve Willie. I know you do, where there was like this frozen yogurt craze. Oh yeah, and we even had TCBY. dedicated yes, TCBY is exactly what I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. And you could go to TCBY and get a cup of frozen yogurt with all the jimmies and sprinkles and M M&M and M candy pieces in it. And if you close your eyes, Pete, you're like, hmm, this is some really strong ice cream. But it wasn't. It was frozen yogurt. It was good frozen yogurt, but it it didn't quite hit that next level. And that's how I feel about Jay White. Like, there's nothing that Jay White does where I'm like, oh, that was terrible. Like, I think Jay White is perfectly serviceable bell to bell. I think he's great with a lot of his character work. Uh, You know, the times that he showed up, you know, outside of New Japan, whether it be AEW or uh, Impact, like, I think he's worked. But I think there's something, at least for me, with Jay White, that keeps him from reaching that next level. And so even though I haven't seen the match, I, if I'm going to place the point, the finger at anybody, I'd probably point the finger at Jay. Cause I feel like Jay's been a guy. Not only is he TCBY Steve Willie, <laughs> but he's also like that NBA player that has been averaging 15 to 28 point, or 15 to 20 points his entire career. Like the last five years are like, Oh, is this the year that such and such has a breakout season? <laughs> and they never have the breakout season. They have good quality, solid seasons. Maybe they make an all-star team once or twice, but they never have that breakout season. And so it feels like Jay White is kind of that guy. He's certainly dependable. He He's a guy that can give you good matches, you know, your, your four-star matches every now and then give you a five-star match. But I don't think he's in that upper echelon. And so that was one of the questions I had with New Japan, Scotty. You know, coming mm-hmm. off of the pandemic, it's like, Okay, so Jay White is your guy, but is he really your guy? Because to me, right. he doesn't quite feel like the guy yet. Mm. I agree, and he's now multi-time IWGP champion. Which, by the way, I know they they redid the belt when when Will had it, but that belt shape is horrendous. It's 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 awful. <laughs> they should go back to the old belt, that weird looking butterfly arrow thing. thing or whatever the yeah. hell it is. It's like the Divas title, but Zack Snyder version. Of the Divas title. <laughs> <laughs> the Divas title, except grays, whites, and blacks. So, mm. um, uh, but yeah. You don't understand the vision behind Zack Snyder's title. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Release the, the Snyder title. cut. <laughs> yeah, we, it's just a longer strap. So, um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. And listen, I, I'm not going to, I, you know, guys, I love my boy Okada. Speaking of Okada, let's talk about him for a second because. I saw some some like Twitter and some other places where, you know, wrestling people hang out and they're all saying, oh, here's New Japan going back to Okada again. And <laughs> they're not crazy about their roster. OK. Ric Flair, 1980s, Jim Crockett. End of story. No argument, no debate. They went back to him. Did anybody get pissed? No. Why? The guy's money. End of story. And New Japan likes to lean on him. He's a good Mm -hmm. linchpin. And he tries to help make the rest of the roster better, just like Ric Flair did from 1983 to 1991. 
mm-hmm. in WCW slash NWA. So I don't want to hear that shit. Am I out of line on that, Steve? No, I, it, it kind of goes Osprey, Okada, or Naito, you know, or mm. Mega. You know, it, it's one of their. This kind of been what their their thing is. It's kind of their reset, and mm-hmm. then you know they'll change it once or twice during the year then they have their g1 whoever is not the champ there's the champion never comes out of there but like second or third guy comes in and then that's the match at january 4th the next year and they only have a few guys up top that they're willing to do that like kevin was really pushing shota umino like and uh, chris mm-hmm. charlton uh, as a young talent like you know Will we see him sooner than later? Well, the answer with Gato's booking is probably not. It will probably be a long time after he deserves the opportunity, like Naito. Right, right. You know, by the time Naito got it, his knees were already breaking down, and he was hugely over about three years before. Right. So, nah, it it is it, it is what it is, and he the, the crowd kind of. I mean, it was kind of sixty forty Okada. And they were they were behind Jay White at times, which I thought was pretty surprising. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, uh, so there is your Wrestle Kingdom 17. Uh, it is now on the archive on New Japan World. But here's a question, Scott. So people are actually yeah. complaining about the roster. It's the same freaking roster they've had for like the last <laughs> 10 years for the most mm-hmm. part. I mean, yeah, pretty much, except without Ibushi. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? It's the same 25 guys, you know? Yeah, New Japan would be the easiest company to make a video game for because, you know, the roster is not going to change after you release it. You don't yep. have to do any DLCs. It's the same dudes <laughs> for the last three years. Pretty much. I mean, we're talking, I mean, Okada's been at the top since, what, 2013, 14? And, uh, you know, Takahashi, Tanahashi, Ibushi, Naito, like it's the same, you know, mm-hmm. nine main eventers and then everybody else sprinkled in the middle, um, which is fine, which is fine. Uh, then, of course, we had New Year's Dash, which Steve knows I'm about to make fun of because it's a bunch of six and eight man tag matches, because that's what they do every time they have a big show. New Japan <laughs> just has matches with 65 guys and the entire rosters in six matches. So uh, I mean, not just not just um, after a big show. It's how the normal house show circuit matches are. It's uh, <laughs> all multi man tags and and this yep. and that. That's why I have always. Uh, whenever like Okada or someone would win Matt, uh, Wrestler of the Year, I'm like, dude, he, he had the G1 and had maybe five, six other matched single matches. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh... um, it's crazy. Uh, so, yeah, there was uh, three six-mans, two eight-mans, then that four-way match for that provisional KOPW 2023 champion, which is Shingo Takagi, and then Okada and Kenny beat United Empire, which is, of course, Aaron Hanar and uh, and uh, Jeff Cobb in the main event. And then now we'll go on Road to the New Beginning, which we'll get into down the line. So check it out, New Japan, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling World. Uh, I think uh, Steve said this, the exchange rate, uh, it's only like, what, six bucks an hour or something it comes out it to? Like what is seven, it was seven ninety or something like that. It was, I was really... Uh... Really pleased with it, actually. Yeah, it's, it's like great. you know, it's it, it's two bucks. It's like, oh, it's if you want to get a start on it. Like I haven't, I've only had it maybe once out of the last year or two, just mm-hmm. for a couple of shows I wanted to see. But 
I'll go back and watch some some stuff with it now. Maybe keep it for a couple months. I think the show is highly. I highly recommend the show. I thought it was really good. I thought so too. Uh, good. I want to watch some. I want to watch some Muda. Uh, content on there too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna watch. Yeah, the, the archive is amazing. I still think the interface is kind of shitty. It's, the interface is really hard. To the interface is fucking crap. They, and that's yeah, just they, the language barrier. Yeah, they, the even if you click the Google thing to English, it's not totally mm-hmm. English. So anyway, um, yeah, I don't even try the search function. <laughs> I know. I just go to the decades. I just go to decades and just surf and try to find something yeah. close to the date that I need. That's pretty much what I do. Um, let's go to WWE. We have two, two news bits that came out Thursday. If you're listening to this on Friday, yesterday, one was great news and one was, uh, well, it's not shitty news. It's just the usual, oh, geez, like we, we knew this was coming, but I don't think we should really poop our pants over it in my opinion. So first thing is, uh, it was announced the earlier Thursday, uh, money in the bank which will be on Saturday, July 1st, will be outside of the continental United States. It will be in the UK. Yes, it'll be at the O2 Arena in London. So the first, I guess, big five, because they consider Money in the Bank kind of the replacement of King of the Ring for the big five. The first big five in London since uh, SummerSlam 1992 in uh, at Wembley. So that's great news. Uh, we always, uh, I, there's no doubt that Triple H and, and the, the brain trust in WWE is definitely looking to expand, uh, internationally. We've obviously not counting the Saudi stuff. We had clash at the, I mean, well, counting the Saudi stuff cause we have to, uh, and then you have clash at the castle, which was a huge success. There was rumors. There was going to be a live, a premium live event slash pay-per-view in India sometime in this first quarter. That is not happening. Uh, it's either going to be later this year or into 2024. There's going to be a pay-per-view slash whatever it's called now. Premium live event in uh, in India. So uh, I think this is good news, uh, Nate. Uh, you know, the crowd and the crowd for Clash of the Castle was was batshit. So they earned the right to have a, uh, you know, a big, big show. So I think that's going to be pretty great to have it at, uh, in London. Yeah, and we know that like the the European fans, particularly the British fans, like we know how hype they can get. You know, for a lot of the WrestleManias, they are part of the driving force of those mania crowds. And mm-hmm. you know, this is a crowd. This is a group of fans. This is a fan base, Steve Willie, that would get extremely excited for Impact Wrestling during one of the most up and down mm-hmm. times in yeah, Impact absolutely. Wrestling. And so if they're going to support that, then you know they're going to show up for, you know, WWE, which at least has its stuff together more often than not in comparison to Impact. Yeah, that's true. I, it was so, that crowd was so big for Impact mm-hmm. when they came over. There was actual legitimate thoughts of, should we just move the company mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. do it out of here? Um. What do you think, Pete? Pretty cool. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Um, yeah, the English crowd, the European crowd, always adds a different element, especially with, like with the uh, with the cheers and stuff. Um, they react differently. It's always a hot crowd. They, you know, maybe it's because they drink so much. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're they're really into it. Um, so yeah, I'm all for it, man. Anything I, I'm a 
anytime you can get a, uh, anything in front of a hot crowd, it makes the show better. So uh, yep. good for them. Good, good, yep. good, good to get a good to get a show. You know. Yep. I do think I, I don't think there's any problem with King with uh, with Money in the Bank's overseas. I, I think we'll see a SummerSlam overseas so, sometime down the line. We'll definitely see a Survivor Series. I I could see a Royal Rumble, but that could be a little iffy because you don't want to shut the domestic crowd out of a Rumble. And I hate to say it, maybe London, but I don't think you'll ever see an overseas WrestleMania. I don't think they're going to bite the no the, the hand of it. it you're going to cut off like ninety percent of the United States. Because a good hunk of people are not going to – are not, maybe people that have never been to a WrestleMania and want to make a huge trip out of it maybe would go to England for WrestleMania. But I, I think it's pricey, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, WWE would have to eat some 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 uh, some spinach yeah, on, that's tra- some, on travel some packages. Crockett uh, going to Chicago in 87 for Starcade, you know. Yeah, it's it's they'd have to eat some spinach for uh, travel packages. So. <laughs> now that's that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. So, but I could see a SummerSlam. I think that's where I think Europe would max out. I could see a I could see that. I mean, we had a, a an elimination chamber in Saudi, so I mean, anything's possible. But I don't. I I just can't see a WrestleMania overseas. Uh, I don't think they would want to kill that domestic audience. Um, the other news in WWE, which is not. <laughs> I don't want to say it's bad news, but it's like, oh, Christ, you kind of knew this was coming. So Vinnie Mac uh, has made it aware that he wants back on the board. He is a majority owner, so a majority stockholder, not an owner. Um, He wants some seats on the board, and he wants to be involved in the business sales media um, uh process when that starts coming to the fore in 2023 immediately people are on twitter freaking out oh my god triple h is gone we're gonna have uh you know it's gonna be a triple threat match at mania between uh cody goldberg and brock and you know it's like like just nonsense people he's not going back to running the creative that's not what he's doing that's not happening he's simply trying to get his piece of the pie and legally, whether we love it or not, he has a right to it. Um, it sucks, but what are you gonna do? Um, I, I mean, he's. I mean, the company is kicking ass right now without him. Not just from the creative aspect, because well, he'll never book anything ever again. Um, but Nick Khan is the other. The other Khan is uh, is getting good deals with. Uh, you know, media outlets and that kind of thing. He's worked with Fox. He's working with USA. I mean, those deals are up in 2024. I don't know if we're going to ever see Fox pay for what they did this time because they definitely overpaid for SmackDown. They Carlos Correa had SmackDown. Um, so uh, I don't know what will happen in 2024 with that. But I think we all just need to relax. Vinnie Mac just wants his cut of the cheesecake and then he'll walk out the door. Uh, I don't think he has any interest in booking anything and bringing back Brock and, you know, we need more Goldberg job. Goldberg needs to beat, uh, you know, Cody Rhodes or not. Nah, that's that, that kind of stuff's not happening. Um, but let's be honest. Did everybody, I'll start with you, Pete, when you saw the news, did you go, Oh Jesus, here we go. Or were you thinking like I was thinking, which is like, all right, well he wants his piece and then he'll walk away. What were you thinking when you saw it? Pete. I think Pete walked away. 
No, Pete's oh, like, I don't even want to talk about this. Pete's like, <laughs> Pete's one of the three board members that uh, are going to have to <laughs> leave. Pete, Pete Barrios. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, what do you what do you think of this whole thing, Nate? So I think when I first saw it, I, there there's a part of me that was was thinking along the same lines as you, Scotty. Like this is just you know Vince Vince trying to get one last uh, one last big payday. But I feel like there's also something in Vince McMahon that feels like you know if you've ever seen the Temptations movie when David Ruffin gets kicked out of the group. Yep. Like he shows up to the show in Detroit and steals the microphone and starts singing, or you know he he tries to you know, talk to Otis. He's like, nobody's coming to see you, Otis. They they all came to see me. I'm David Ruffin. I've made the temptations. Without David Ruffin, ain't no temptations. Without David Ruffin, Steve Willie, you'll be a group in search of a David Ruffin. <laughs> and I feel like there's a bit of Vince that, that even though he knows it's likely not going to happen, like there's a part of Vince that I think wants that limelight, Scotty, wants mm-hmm. that attention, that additional to just you know I, w- I want my money that i'm owed i think there's a part of vince that misses that and so while i don't feel like this is a, a an entryway for vince to get back into creative or certainly not anything on screen i don't think vince knows that though like i think there's a part of vince that is always going to want to be in the limelight because this is his baby for better or for worse and so yeah i think he'll take the he'll take the money as a consolation prize, but if there's any any sliver of a door that can be opened, I think he's going to try to put his foot in that door to hold out hold out hope, Scotty, that he can mm. come back. Uh, I, you're not wrong. Um, I mean, I thought they said something about him at Mania this year getting like a proper on screen farewell. Um, so maybe that's what he's maybe he's back for that. This man but... is going to have more farewells than Juice and Liger in the Great Muda combined, Scotty. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> if I you open right. that door, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think you're right. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, he's going to do whatever it takes to get back involved because he's like a, a near eighty year old Tom Brady. That he's, <laughs> yep. he went home. He sat at the pool, realized Jackson there. Real, I mean, God knows where Linda McMahon lives at this point. It's certainly not with Vince. No, um, no, no. <laughs> she's with yeah. Scotty and Hunter and Stephanie at their at yep. their nice house. Yep, he, she's help. She's helping me nanny. Uh, <laughs> there should really have been someone should have hopped on a reality show of Ooh. Vince McMahon at home. Oh wow! Yes, that would have been amazing. Uh, it'd been like the like the Osbournes. Yes, thousand and and twenty three. Yes. As soon as I saw this, it was, and this is like strictly business, right? I did find it very humorous that he uh, brought uh, Wilson and Berrios back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the people that uh, he and Nick Khan forced out because Nick Khan was going to be the one who was right. going to bring to the promised land with all the media rights deal. And they didn't need need George or I think mm. it's Michelle or yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's Michelle. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... I mean, to to be fair though, Steve, if you have watched the Temptations movie, you know, once David Ruffin gets kicked out of the Temptations, he forms his own Temptations with Eddie Kendricks and and uh, uh, Dennis Edwards. And so yep. this is Vince McMahon. He's like, I gotta get, I gotta get the old band back together. We were yep. great back in the day. So it's gonna be like uh, WWE Hollywood and WWE Wolfpack. Is that what we're yes. talking about? Here? <laughs> Oh, that would be a, if if not for the uh, if not for like the limit 
interpretations of George Barrios, I'm assuming, in the ring. That would be a fascinating on-screen storyline. <laughs> Vince, and, Vince and his crew versus Trips and Stephanie and, and uh, the other con. What is this crappy music? Um, and, yeah. and, and then the question is, whose side is Pete Schermacher on? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so there you go. So we'll we'll keep an eye on the Vince stuff, but let's just enjoy the wrestling and not worry about his crap. <laughs> Finally, the last the last bit of uh, the last tidbit is it looks like we after uh, Wednesday night's episode of Dynamite looks like. By the way, we have a new uh, TNT champion. Yes. Speaking, speaking of uh, Nate's boy Sting, his his uh, what is he? His guard? <laughs> what is it like? His stepson now? Or what? I feel like I feel like they're like fa- they've been together so long. I feel like they're father and son at this He's point. He's like son. An, an uncle nephew. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Darby <laughs> Allen is uh, now a two-time uh, TNT champion. He defeated Samoa Joe on on Dynamite Wednesday. So congrats to him. Uh, I believe tonight on Rampage, uh, Orange Cassidy is defending the. Uh, all Atlantic title against uh, shit. I don't remember. Um, somebody. I don't remember who. He's defending the uh, the all Atlantic title tonight. Anyway, the big news is that we have our main event. It looks like for AEW Revolution, which will take place uh, in San Francisco on uh, what's the date of that? Is it February ninth? March 5th is AEW Revolution. AEW Revolution, Mr. Willie. Uh, it is, yes, it is March 5th at the, it's, well, I don't know if it's the Cow Palace. It's technically called the Chase Center in San Francisco on March 5th. And the first match is set. MJF uh, will take on Brian Danielson in an Iron Man match for the AEW Championship. Uh, but for that match to actually happen, uh, Brian Danielson cannot lose a match between now and then. A, uh, MJF said that on the promo Wednesday night on Dynamite. Um, I am I'm scared for that match. Uh, I know that that Brian Danielson can go can go sixty. I don't think we have any problem with that. Are we? Oh, are we exposing? Do you think AEW Steve is exposing MJF to something he may not be ready for, or is he ready for something like this? I don't know. He only wrestled like ten times last year altogether. Right? <laughs> no joke. That that's wow. that's right. I, I think he had ten matches, mm-hmm. and right. like two of them were like one was like a minute long. Like, uh, yeah, and yeah, it's, he's only wrestled 10. If anyone can do it, Danielson is. I, I haven't watched all of that of this week's mm-hmm. um, Dynamite yet. I will say, going back on what Pete said about crowds, it was the first time in Seattle, and that that crowd was red hot. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yes. Absolutely red hot. I watched the first half hour. And so if, if any, anyone, getting back to MJF, if anyone can do it, it's him. I'm... This is the, actually the first time I'm hearing about this. I'm more concerned about it being an hour-long match at a pay-per-view. I think I would have done this on one of those very special episodes of, mm-hmm. of Dynamite. You know, the like the after-school special. It was like, on this very special episode of Dynamite, Brian Danielson goes against MJF. Because they've had, I think the two-hour matches that they had were on Dynamite. 
Yes. Uh, one of them was what? One of them was Danielson and uh, and Hangman, right? Was one mm -hmm. of them. And then I don't remember the other one. And you know how Tony Khan loves you know seven hour pay per views. What's he gonna have? Twenty, you know, fourteen yeah. matches, and the fourteenth match is an hour. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be that'll be rough. Um, He's gonna challenge himself to just do like seven. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's got to. Um, so that's my thing. I, I I'm getting a feeling that. MJF may not be. I'm not saying stamina. We're not talking about stamina. He's not gonna. It's, this is. We're not talking about like Lex Luger here or anything. I'm just saying that it's. You could have the stamina to wrestle for an hour, but can you be captivating enough mm. to wrestle for an hour? Listen, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels are two of the greatest wrestlers in the history of this business. And if I never, never watch that Iron Man match again, it'll be too soon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I that 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 match is. Not great. I'm sorry, it's not. Um, maybe I was teased by the awesome Attitude Era Iron Man of Triple H and Rock, or even Kurt and Brock, or even, you know, Voldemort Benoit and Triple H on that Raw in 04. Like, there's just been better Iron Man matches than the one at WrestleMania 12. I'm just scared that that match is going to just be thoroughly uninteresting. And I hate to see that for both those guys. What do you think, Pete? Pete's still, Pete's still trying to get the spinach seat from Michelle Wilson. Um, Pete is, Pete is thoroughly uninterested in your oh, question. There you are, Pete. Sorry, I was, I was uh, something else. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Um, he, he was on the line with Vince trying to negotiate. He was trying to negotiate, yeah. So what do you think? Cody lays down. It's, it's like Judgment Day 98. Cody lays down to Goldberg and Brock simultaneously um, <laughs> in six seconds. No, what I was asking was, what are your thoughts on, like, do you think – do you think Danielson and MJF can have that captivating Iron Man match? Like, is this? I believe is this... in Danielson. Uh, that's all I'll say. Um, I think he's bulletproof, or he's almost he's like he doesn't can't have a bad match. I just don't mm. think it's possible. I agree. But God, yeah. I don't know MJF going an hour. I don't know, man. But uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see it. Yeah, I just I just feel very leery about that. Very leery. But we'll get more into that. We got we got time. Yeah. We got a couple months. But that match was announced. I, I I just wanted to talk about it because that match was announced. Uh, I think Steve brings up a good point though. Like if this were TV, not only do you not have a pay per view that's twelve hours long, but you also have the benefit of commercial breaks. Even with picture in picture, right? It can kind of break up the flow. But to Pete's point, like I think if if anything, like yes, we we might be. Uh, we might be overestimating MJF's capabilities by putting him in this match, but I would say, Scotty, maybe we're underestimating Daniel Bryan because if anybody can get a captivating Iron Man match out of MJF, it's Daniel Bryan. Yeah, you're 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 right. You're right. We'll talk more about this over. We got we got plenty of time. I just wanted to bring it up because because it was announced this week, but we got you know almost eight weeks to chat about it before it actually happens. So um, that's how long the pay per view is going to be. That, that is pretty much <laughs> the Iron Man's going to start now. Uh, anyway, guys, what about, what about Cody Rhodes and them having him on TV before, uh, the Royal Rumble and not bring him in as a surprise. Is that kind of shocking to you guys? Uh, nope. it does shock me because I think we all know anyway. So I, I don't, Fair. I'm not, I mean, would I have liked a cool pop? Yeah, of course. I, I missed that. They brought him back this week on a very special year end edition rerun. 
<laughs> the best wow. of episode. Yeah, they. Oh, wow. didn't he do like? Didn't he do like a stand up like in a suit? He just did like a promo or whatever. Uh, yeah, I that, I don't consider that. I mean, it feels kind of like when they had that year end in '99 and Jericho showed up at the very end. Yeah. And it's like uh, when they were counting down to the new year. Yeah. It's like, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, um, I, I don't know. I, I well, maybe, maybe that like that's that's not a true that's not a true comeback, Scotty. That's just it's just a sneak preview. Exactly, it is. I, I it's think like uh, Thanos at the end of Avengers. You know. Yes. But also, it's isn't just... it a little weird though? You bringing him back also, and Rollins is now a baby face. Hmm. I know, and they want to they want to start that feud up again. I think that's Ugh. a bad idea. I think yeah, yeah. they already had three matches. Yeah, they three were really, really good, good matches. Yeah, why why keep beating that horse? I I agree. I think uh, I think um, I think we'll see changes in that. Um, guys, that was an awesome show, an exceptional first episode to twenty twenty three. Um, and we've got a lot more to talk about because I think it's gonna be an amazing year for us. And for pro wrestling, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Pete, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Titans of Wrestling. And there you go. And That's in Texas, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and in in the state, yeah, if you're, and if in Stamford, Connecticut. We get the Rumble, anybody? So there you go, there. Yep. <laughs> and Steve's gonna be at the new at the new Titan Towers, uh, <laughs> fighting fighting George Barrios for the last coffee roll in the calf. Um, <laughs> um. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, for the date, what's going on over at one of my favorite places to hang out? Cause I get the VIP rope. What is hanging and banging at the Kings of Sport Patreon? Yes. This is a very special year for the Kings of Sport. This is our, this will be our 10th anniversary year. Oh, uh, it's so, so great. 10 years started in 2013. So got a lot of things planned. Uh, WrestleMania is still in the cards as of right now, uh, but cards subject to change. But the plan is to head out to L.A. and hang with Marcus and Chris and maybe do some shows out there as well. Uh, but you can check out the Patreon. Five bucks gets you in the door. Uh, we've got over a couple, over 200 hours of audio and video, sports, politics, wrestling, pop culture, MCU reviews. Uh, we're getting ready to kickstart that back up this year because we we, we kind of slacked on the patreon towards the the back half of last year but we were just resting steve willie we knew that much like mjf 2023 was going to be an iron man match so we had to get our stamina up but uh check out the patreon and of course uh check out uh the work over post wrestling uh who also did some good coverage of uh uh wrestle kingdom so like i, I haven't watched it but hearing steve and pete talk about it and, and hearing uh, folks over at Post talk about it. I will check it out when I get some time uh, specifically for that Jay White match because uh, Jay White puts butts in seats. Uh, but for everything else, uh, at in the number mm. eight M-O-Z-A-I-K at Nate Mosaic on Twitter. Mm. Uh, before I ask Steve Aloysius Willie, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell everyone where we can find Steve because mm. the big announcement is a brand new show will be debuting hopefully mm. this month mm -hmm. if not definitely February but we are shooting for this month we are finally done it thank you Tony and this is me saying this Pete I know you think I'm a I'm a TK hater thank you Tony for finally buying all that ROH stuff and finally putting it somewhere for all of us to enjoy <laughs> thank you 
because starting in January, the PTB Wrestling Network presents Pod of Honor. Mm. Steve Willie and, and I, once a month, maybe twice, if Sarah lets me, um, will. Uh, we'll, <laughs> Steve's like, no fucking way. No. Steve Willie and I are going to go back through the archives of Ring of Honor throughout the last, I guess, 20 years, technically, all the way back to 2002. I know that. Tony Khan doesn't own everything, right, Steve? Didn't you say that there's some holes? There's some holes in there, and I don't know why there are quite holes in there. Like, I have my suspicions because there were some selling snafus when all of the Rob Feinstein stuff was going mm. on. And so, right. Yeah. And then some of the events, but it's pretty, it, it is pretty filled. To be honest, like everything from the Sinclair days are there. Um, most of the events um, are on there, like from eh, like 07, I'd say, from like 08 on. Mm-hmm. And not all the matches, but the matches you need to see. Um, right. it, it It is a little clunky, too. Not as bad as New Japan. Um, the matches <laughs> aren't necessarily in order, which is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But. You can also just pick, and, and that might be different. I was just going, when I was on vacation, I was looking at just a random mm-hmm. 2005 card and, and and just to watch, and I was like going to cage match to see what's actually the order of these matches. <laughs> right. This doesn't seem right, and, and right. I'm, just kind of a, I'm just kind of a dork that way with when I watch stuff that I like to see things in order. But yeah, I'm pretty excited. I mean, I mean do you want me to list a kind of couple ideas that we had for topics, or should we hold off on that? Well, we'll, we'll hold off, but we are going to, yeah. we are, we're, I, will, I will say this, we are not going in chronological order. We're not starting oh, with we're gonna skip around. We're going to yeah, bounce away from I don't really want to do uh, full card recaps because that's been done. Um, right. The pro wrestling only feed that, you know, it's been part of our, kind of like our sister for, you know, a very yep. long time. Yes. As the, yep. um, God, I listen to it when I go to bed almost all the time and I can't think of the name of the. Uh, the Through the Years podcast. They do yep. an excellent job. There's no way we could live up to that. And right. also, uh, that's a lot of time. That would take a lot of time. <laughs> yes, it would. So it I was would. thinking so, more like topics, like yes. you know, a series yep. of matches or a feud or, you know, like, like more concept stuff. Right. We're definitely going to get into once he... Once the the dust settles on his love or hatred of in current wrestling circles, I think de- we're definitely going to do an episode on Punk and Joe because I've always wanted to dive into that, and I I think I own a DVD somewhere in this house, but uh, but I definitely want to talk Punk and Joe oh five or oh four I guess. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I was uh, at the second one. Yeah, so but we're gonna have all sorts of fun topics. Pete, Nate, feel free to hop join us for any random episodes you like and and talk about it. And uh, so that's going to be. Either def- definitely February, but we're hoping we can get a premiere episode in this month of Pod of Honor, one of the new episodes, mm. one of the newest shows here. Yeah, it definitely sounds the- good. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a company that's has a lot of history. I mean, they've they they put on a lot of great. I mean, even I mean, not like Texas was a big stopping point, but I mean, they'd come in and they'd always have a good show. I mean, yeah, there's mm-hmm. so much there. Yep. Yeah, and no one has contributed more. No one has contributed more to Ring of Honor than one Steve Willie <laughs> and his his yes. his his 
<laughs> credit card statement from all of those years of supporting Honor Club, yep. even when yep. they didn't support him, will we'll yeah. yeah. show proof <laughs> of that. Exactly. When, when, when the love was not shown both ways. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so, so, uh, you know, keep it to our, to our socials, uh, Twitter and Facebook. We will keep you abreast of when the, uh, when the, the pod will debut, whether it's this month or in February, but we're sh- definitely shooting for, for January. So pod of honor. I, I'm so excited about it. I've wanted to do, and we've done the, you know, this is going to be our God, our 11th year, I guess of the PTB wrestling network. And I've always wanted to do a ring of honor pod and it just mm. never seemed to be in the cards. And now I'm really excited that we actually have the ability to do a nice classic ROH pod. So I'm really excited about it. I'm happy to be doing it with Mr. Aloysius and uh, guys, like I said, you're more than welcome to join us whenever you want. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. So, so uh, many Dalton castle matches to be reviewed. Uh, yes. There's some, good, there's some good ones. Some James Gibson stuff. Yes. I was having mm. My first ROH card was the Summer of Punk uh, here in uh, here in Connecticut, oh, oh. upstate, and it was uh, uh, it was when uh, well maybe we'll preview it because I think they're I think the whole show's on on uh, Honor Club. Uh, it was when Matt Hardy was kind of the hot indie guy after he got fired for the whole Lita Edge thing, mm, and yeah. then by the time they got to this show, it had already come out that he was rehired, so he <laughs> got he got trashed. In this match against Christopher Daniels, I mean, he was—we were just totally destroying him. It was hot. It was middle of August of '05. We were in this—it uh, was like a volleyball facility upstate uh, here in Connecticut, and it was like fucking 99 degrees. I mean, I was sweating my ass off, and and they—we were just giving him just the absolute shits because now we realized the whole thing was a work. Now he wasn't cool anymore, and uh, he, we were just giving him. Uh, I believe. Uh, uh, Justin's boy, John Walters, I think was the pure champion. Prince Nana, the embassy. Damn, I love that faction. I love the embassy. I want an embassy episode, Steve. We're doing oh, that's embassy. actually one I'm the one I'm watching right now has it's uh, called Steel Cage Warfare uh, from 2005, and I think the main event is the embassy versus Generation Next, and that was when Alex Ooh. Shelley joined uh, the embassy. So yes, we got to have a little Jimmy Rave action. Oh yeah, definitely. So uh, so there we go. So. Pot of Honor will be debuting later this month here on the PTB Wrestling Network. Hope you enjoy the show, everybody. We'll be back, of course, in two weeks. We'll talk more fun and games. Uh, let's see. That'll be on the 20th. So uh, let's see. That'll be on the 20th. So we could kind of preview the Rumble a little bit, but the next episode after that will be um, we'll do a recap of the Rumble. So we'll be back in two weeks. We'll talk more great wrestling. Uh, I believe we'll be out of... Uh, uh, impacts hard to kill, which is one week from today. If you're listening to this on Friday, because nothing, you know, boosts, you know, download numbers than a bully Ray main event match. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so anyway, uh, have a great weekend, everybody enjoy wrestle kingdom. Uh, if you're watching it on the archive, it ended up being a really great show on new Japan, uh, pro wrestling world for brother, Nate, for brother, Steve, for brother, Pete, I am brother Scott. You have been in the main event. Have a blast. Enjoy your January, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. Hey, Steve Willie. Hey, Nate Milton. So I know this week we talked a lot about the debut of Mercedes Monet in, in New Japan, and it's crazy because I knew about this before anybody. Mm. So let me, yeah. tell you, let me tell you a story. So it was about a week or two ago, Steve, and my car broke down, and I needed to get uh, an Uber to get to work. And so I pulled out the app and, and, you know, dialed up the Uber as, as one does. And so the Uber driver pulls up 
in this really nice car. And I'm like, this Uber driver looks really familiar. And when she rolls down the window, it's Sasha Banks, the Whoa. artist formerly known as Sasha Banks. And she looks at me dead in the eye, Steve Willie, and says, do you want to ride in my Mercedes, boy? <laughs> 